able to honor God's word, which comes to us from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to God. Please be seated. In churches all around the globe today, speaking every language, the wonderful call is being issued to think again about the eternal purpose of your life, to run away from empty tombs and to turn and run instead toward the hope of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, by your spirit, may our minds be open to allow you to be our teacher this day. May we be startled and amazed at the good news of the empty tomb. Amen. According to Luke, the first Easter begins not with people standing up and singing, Jesus Christ is risen today. No, the first Easter begins with women walking toward a cemetery, taking a load of spices with them they've they've prepared to finish the burial process. What a long, hard walk that must have been. Can you imagine their countenance as they made that long journey and that long, hard, difficult walk? As I was meditating and thinking about that walk this week, I was reminded of what happened to me in junior high. I was in the seventh grade. I was sitting in class one morning and someone came in from the office with a call slip. That's never a good thing when someone comes with a call slip. Interrupted our class, handed the call slip to the teacher. She looked at it and she read it and she said, Steve Beard, you must go to the principal's office immediately. My heart sank. It was so dreadful. I I looked over in the corner of the room and a couple of my friends were laughing and sneering and a couple other people had to look like I could not even handle it if this happened to me. It was that bad. And then I began that long walk. Now, it wasn't a long distance between our class, classroom and the principal's office, but to me, it felt like the longest walk of my life. I went through all of the awful feels right? First, I had fear. I mean, 
what's going to happen to me? Am I going to get suspended? I mean, what, what is going to happen to me? I mean, I just was dreading and I was fearful about what was going to happen. And then that turned to anger. I was angry because, you know, in my mind, I thought, you know what, whatever this is, I guarantee you that Donnie and Jay, they turned my name in and they actually did it, but it's pinned it on me. I was angry. And then I began to feel sorry for myself. Why does this always happen to me? <laughs> you know, this doesn't seem to happen to other people. It always seems to happen to me. And then there was some guilt. Like, I mean, I'd probably done some things. And I thought, oh, I finally got caught. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> to make matters much, much worse, when I walked into the principal's office, the first thing my eye saw was that my dad was standing in the office. It was a long, hard walk. It was the custom in Palestine to visit the tomb of a loved one for three days after the body had been laid to rest. It was believed that for three days the spirit of the dead person hovered over around to the tomb, but it departed because the body had become unrecognizable through decay. And so Jesus' friends did not set out to visit the tomb on the Sabbath because to make the journey on that day would, to be, would have been to break Jewish law. So it was on Sunday morning that they came to the tomb and they set out on that journey, that long, hard walk. And I imagine what they were thinking and feeling. I doubt there was a whole lot of conversation because their hearts were too heavy. And certainly they were carrying a whole lot of grief their friend had just died in a gruesome, public, awful way. And, and I wonder if, if that grief also was laced with a, a whole lot of anger. I, I wonder if in their minds they were thinking anger thoughts toward Judas. And by the way, where were the men when he was crucified? Where did they go? Probably a lot of anger. And then maybe some guilt. You know, we could have done more. We could have tried harder to talk Jesus out of, of even going to Jerusalem. And then maybe they felt sorry for themselves. Why don't things work out for us? Why? It seems like it never works out. And then certainly they felt some fear. What, what if when we get to the tomb, they discover that we were followers of Jesus and maybe we will... You can almost feel all of that emotion coming out and from these women on that difficult, long, long walk. And even though their hearts were full of sorrow and grief, they knew what they had to do. It was their job. They had to go anoint the body and prepare it for burial. And to make matters worse, when they walked, they, they, they began to realize we're not even going to be able to do that because who's going to roll away the stone? It's too heavy. We can't do this. How are we going to move this obstacle that's in our way? I suspect some of us here this morning know about long, hard walks. Maybe you've had a season of walking through hard grief. Or maybe on your journey, you're carrying a lot of anger at what was said to you or not said to you or done or not done. And we rehearse that every day and it makes our steps heavy and difficult. Maybe a lot of us, I suspect a lot of us are carrying around a lot of guilt 
about what we've done or left undone, and it makes our days difficult and our steps heavy. Maybe we feel sorry for ourselves because why doesn't it work for me? It always works for him. He always gets the promotion. She always gets the words of encouragement, not me. And I suspect a lot of us are walking today with a whole lot of fear about what's going on in our world, what's going on in our neighborhoods and our changing families. And, and as we age, as our bodies change, and boy, when you carry all of those feels, hard ones with us, it makes the days long and difficult and hard. But I think for these women, there was even more going on. What made their, work, their walk even worse was not only were they grieving and having all of this going on, but also something in them died when Jesus died. You see, when they were with him for those three years, there was something so radically different about their life. The, the longing for something more, the yearning for meaning, and the yearning for what, is, what we, our hearts and our souls long for maybe unknowingly had been taken away when they were in his presence. And now that had died. And we all carry that yearning. We all do. We all have this inside of us, this want for more. The great writer J.R.R. Tolkien talked about this. He, he, he wanted us to notice why and ask the question why do you why do we like stories of fantasy so much every culture has always created fantasy stories fairy tales the greeks had their mythology we have marvel movies right there's all kinds of ways to escape into literature and and maybe even art and and he asked the question why is that why is it in every culture we create these fairy tales where good defeats evil, <clears throat> where there is maybe sometimes tragic good that comes out of difficult situations? Every culture has created these stories and these fantasies, and, and we retreat to them and we escape, and for brief moments we're caught up in them. And he asks, why do we do that? And his answer was, because you and I were not created to die. And deep in our DNA, deep, deep down, we know that. So when we have fairy tales and fantasy, we get brief glimpses and brief moments where we think, oh, this is what I yearn for, this is what I want. Our very souls are crying out for eternal life, for broken things to be fixed. When we go into fantasy and we, we, we are, we're scratching an itch and for brief, brief glimpses and moments, we wonder, wow, wouldn't it? This is what I'm yearning for. This is what I want. And for those women walking to the tomb that day, that good feeling went away when Jesus died. When they arrived at the tomb, they were startled to discover that the stone had already been moved away, had been rolled back, and while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, and in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why, why are you looking for 
the living among the dead. He's not here. He's risen. Remember, he told you all these things. He told you he'd be crucified and that he would be raised three days later. And then they remembered. Suddenly, that long, hard, difficult walk immediately ended and everything changed. Everything changed. The words of the prophet, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Think about how different their walk away from the tomb was that morning. For them, that walk suddenly was full of wonder and joy and amazement. And I can't wait for what's next. And they rushed back to tell the men. I saw a cartoon this morning that had the women next to the tomb. And they were walking back and they're approaching all of the men And they're telling them that the tomb was empty. And the men said, thank you for that news. We got it. We'll take it from here. (laughs) It was a little too true and real, sadly. They didn't believe them. They didn't even believe. The men didn't even believe the news. Except Peter. Except Peter. There was a scratch and an itch and a yearning that took over with Peter. Peter that compelled him to run to the tomb and to look in. And it changed his life forever. When he saw that Jesus was not dead but alive, everything for Peter changed. You remember Peter denying Jesus? Peter stumbling, bumbling, never quite getting it right? Peter, because the tomb was empty, his life changed. His walk forever was different. His life had meaning and purpose and joy and wonder and amazement. Later on, Peter would write a letter to the church and he wrote these words. This is right at the beginning of his letter. What a God we have, he said, and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. What does that mean? It means that all sad things can be made untrue. All sad things can be made untrue. All broken things can be healed. All relationships can be restored. It means that if we're walking through this life carrying a lot of heavy burden of guilt about what we've done or left undone, that can be let go of and forgiven by Jesus Christ because he went to the cross and he paid for our sins. It means if we're living with fear right now, we can let that go because he holds the future in his hands and he promised, because I live, you also will live. It means if we're Walking through this life with lots of regret, and the older I get, I find this to be more and more of a temptation. I heard somebody say this week that you never really learn how to parent until right about the moment your youngest child is about to leave the house. (laughs) And that really resonated with me. I understand that. It's easy to walk your steps with a lot of regret. But if Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, all things will be restored and made new. 
And each step along our journey, we're getting closer to that day. And oh, by the way, as Peter said, not only are we walking towards our heavenly home, he's going to walk with us. Jesus is alive. And on our journey, he forgives and he loves. And he's preparing a place to take us into his father's home. Each day we walk, it's a step closer to the new heaven and the new earth. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more guilt, no more shame. All things made new. But the greatest promise of all is that we will be able to be with him and enjoy him forever. My story of being called to the principal's office had a kind of altered ending. As I walked into the principal's office, I I, I looked up and I saw a very stern look on the principal's face and an emotional, motionless look on my dad's face. And there were some awkward moments of silence and tension. And finally, the principal spoke and he said, "Your, your, your dad thinks that it would be okay for me to allow you to leave school today so that you could go to the baseball game. Instant joy. (laughs) I mean, it was joy on all levels. I was leaving class. (laughs) I was going to a baseball game. Maybe the greatest joy was the next day I could go back and tell my friends that I got to leave class and go to a baseball game. Here's what I want to say today. God has invited you. He sent a call slip, actually, with your name on it. says, come, I want you to come and see the joy I've prepared for you. I want you to walk with me, learn from me. I'm alive. I'm making all things new. If you know that walk, if you've received that invitation, you know that it comes with joy. We get to be with Jesus. He's alive. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, a new chapter can begin in your walk and your life today. That book has no ending. And in that book, every chapter is better than the chapter before. Let us pray. Oh Lord, Some of us are carrying heavy burdens this day. Guilt, fear, regret, sorrow. Lord, maybe we need to confess that today to you and say, Jesus, I'm ready to walk into the newness of life. I confess my sins and I'm ready for you to be my savior. If that's so, I invite you to invite him in today and invite him to journey with you to leave the past behind and to walk into newness of life. The tomb is empty and for that we are so grateful. And we thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross for us and for our salvation. That that invitation, that that call slip is an invitation into a joy-filled life and life forever. 
We pray all this in the strong name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.